0: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: Tell them, tell them. Not bro. only am I trending gamer, one of the good ones. One of the good Maybe ones. the only good one. One of three. WrestleQuest, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, let me get this right. I want to make sure I get a nice, good swing yeah, in space there. Yeah. WrestleQuest, all the platforms. Everywhere. Yep. PlayStation. Xbox. Hit them. Switch. Yes. Netflix. Steam. Yeah. DC, which I've already said. And of course, our. Oh! Folks, WrestleQuest. <laughs> Drop <laughs> tomorrow.
0: 8823.
1: A day that will make history. Three days later. Ladies and gentlemen, I've said it several times, but a lot of people don't want to believe me. Don't cross Greg Miller because God and or Satan will step in to avenge me. So how does it feel, Jeff Jarrett, to nearly break my neck and then have your game delayed (laughs) at the 11th hour? And guess what? the check the kind of funny for the launch stream still clears (laughs) don't fuck with greg miller everyone i don't know how many times this needs to be explained on the goddamn internet
2: Hello and welcome to Desert Island Grabs. I know you're used to hearing the sounds of Tom Campbell, but uh, it's Fraser Porter here today, and it's my absolute pleasure to welcome onto Desert Island Grabs Greg Miller, a man who uh, is currently hosting WWE's This Is Awesome, the CEO and co-founder of Kind of Funny, and just personally one of the people that is responsible for me going in to study journalism at university. Oh, so it's an no, absolute so honour, absolute honour so to have sorry. you. Here. Oh
1: no! Well, thank you for having me.
2: It's not, you know. It's great to reach out. I'm always, I'm always down to talk
0: wrestling.
2: This past week, you've had quite a big week. You were at SummerSlam. You were involved with all your WWE commitments.
1: A big part of the main event, some would say.
2: Well, well, let's just jump straight to that. Yeah, you were a big part of the main event scene. We were watching it here. I was uh, watching it back, and I'm hearing someone yell in the crowd. I'm going, someone's going, "Do it for Jimmy! Do it for!" And I'm like, "That's Greg Miller." That has got yeah. to be Greg Miller. And of course, you, uh, a video of that went viral uh, online on TikTok. Um, what was the reaction to that with, with your WWE colleagues, if, if knowing that it's yourself that, uh, that is going viral for him? You know, they thought it was hilarious. Uh, you know,
1: my producer on This Is Awesome was uh, very happy to see me out there in my blue suit screaming at uh, Jimmy, or screaming for Jay, uh, but about Jimmy, screaming at Solo, being mad at Roman. Uh, yeah, they, they thought it was funny. I didn't, you know, get in the way too much. And I'm such a weird aspect of wwe right where i host the this is awesome show Mm -hmm. uh you know i do some uh, interviews here and there i talk to dom and Rhea at uh, SummerSlam in the streets of detroit the mean streets of detroit uh (laughs) so it's this weird thing where i'm like extended family like you know what i mean i've never been on raw i've never been on smackdown or anything but like i'm i I have a wwe show but it's still that thing where the people who when, when i'm backstage the people who know really know and the people who don't don't know who i am or why i'm wandering around
2: and was, with you being in the crowd, where the was there any plan that were, were you standing there thinking I'm gonna I'm gonna try and have a, a funny moment in the main event? We've seen you before, like at Survivor Series 2018. Yeah. You and Brock had a little little back and forth. Yeah, yeah. Me
1: and Brock had a dust up at uh, SummerSlam. Uh, actually, Survivor Series uh, 2018 when I was front row, and that was long before I even worked at yeah. WWE. That's actually uh, afterwards we went backstage, and that's where WWE talked to me about actually doing something official with them, which would you know become this mm-hmm. is awesome in 2022. Um, so yeah, you know, I had so much fun being that close, but I also knew that that was like probably a once in a lifetime moment. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I will never forget being front row and finally holding the barricade. And my wife was with me and it was our first show. And she's like, wow, this is really cool. And I turned to her, I'm like, you have no idea. <laughs> I have been waiting 30 years to get down here and have my chair and touch the wall. And like, you don't, you can you'll never understand. I'm like pointing up, like, I was there on August 9th, 1999 for Jericho. I was over here for this. I was that, the other, in the upper bowl, like trying to describe what it was like to be in the Staples Center, right? At, mm-hmm. at, at Ringside. And so, like, I felt like maybe that moment had passed me by until, of course, WWE realizes what kind of talent they have, and I'm a manager out there. Like, I have the gift of gab. I (laughs) should be out there. I should be the next Paul Heyman. Uh, So when uh, they shut down the uh, the aisleway behind us and started setting up a table, I was like, I turned to, I was there with my friend Poe and his 10-year-old son, and I was like, guys, something's about to happen back there. Like, we (laughs) have to be ready. And so when it got to the main event and the table was still set up there... I looked at uh, the kid, I looked at the dad, and I threw my leg, we were one row off, so I threw my leg back, and I went to the very back row that was right behind us that had empty seats, and I just waited, and so yeah, I was like, this has got to happen, and my hope was, my hope was that when we got there, it would be uh, Jay going over. Because mm-hmm. Jay I've worked with enough times. Jay, obviously, the good guy. I felt like if Jay, you know, did good things back there, I could get a, what's up, boost and a slap or something. And then when, it, when Solo popped up, I was like, ah, oh, no, no! <laughs> not like this! Do you want
2: to take a Simone spike?
1: I, I mean... You want to talk about the week I've had, I'm sure you're going to get to it. I will take any professional wrestling move out there. I want F5 me through the table. Give me the Samoan spike. I'm ready. I want that moment.
2: Well, yeah, you you mentioned, you alluded to it there, but you've been in the news cycles twice this week. First for your SummerSlam moment and going viral for that. And then uh, you had an uh, incident with Jeff Jarrett. Now, he uh, was on promoting WrestleQuest. Uh, mega cat studios we we had we spoke to jeff ourselves in fact you can check it out on cultolic.com we had afternoon tea with jeff jarrett uh but yours went a little bit differently you you got hit over the head with uh with a guitar and uh just last night on ps i love you xoxo well he kind of hacked into your show tell me a little bit about that
1: you know we were gracious enough to allow WrestleQuest into the kind of funny spare bedroom our studio here in san Francisco, state-of-the-art brand new it's amazing (laughs) And, you know, I thought I was helping out a small indie game. And so as the Let's Play continued, as the stream continued, you know, we were out there for two, three hours with uh, Jeff, uh, James from Mega Cat, me and Mike playing the game. I thought we were having a great time. And then, of course, Jeff Jarrett realized how big a celebrity he was on stage with. I had to start bringing out my Game Awards trophy, my South by Southwest trophy, my Johnny Boz Award, all the awards and (laughs) accolades I've gotten throughout my lengthy career, which is not over like Jeff's. Uh, And that, for some reason, got under his skin. You know, once again, seeing a young buck. Same reason Paul Heyman's come at me on Twitter, right? You see someone coming up, Mm -hmm. a young stud out there about to change professional wrestling. And, uh, you know, these old timers, they get jealous. They see their best days behind him, I think. And, and that's what Jeff did. And he took advantage of it. And he hit me with a guitar. And then, yeah, now he's got people working on the inside. It's kind of funny. I haven't identified who on our staff is helping him out, but they're helping him hack into shows apparently now. As he said, he's going to make my life a living hell. So we'll
2: That's the thing. That have you, have you? Are you prepared to fight back against Jeff Jarrett? Have you got a plan to – he said to be constantly looking over your shoulder. I can, I can confirm to you he's not with us just now, but, you know okay. – Okay. what's your well, plan for going forward use
1: discord we're interviewing in discord he used discord to get into my show so he, he could be anywhere he's a time. tech wizard you know I really hope that just time catches up to Jeff Jarrett you know what I mean like he can't have that many more good years left and so really I think even he's like oh it's only two weeks until WrestleQuest is out I'm gonna torch you what's really gonna happen you know what i mean does he wake up tomorrow and he can't remember that he's even done that and he's just <laughs> on to the next thing does he think he's back in the attitude era is he gonna go you know just think he's doing the old double j country stuff again i'm not too worried about it i feel like once he accidentally logs out of discord he
2: won't be able to log back in and i won't have to worry about <laughs> you you've uh you, you took a quite a big bump you know you got hit in the head with a Very guitar great. um have you had any aspiration of getting in the ring or doing any training yourself
1: I mean, you know, I backyard wrestled. You can still... yeah. My, I've seen my, it, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say,
1: one of my backyard wrestling cohorts recently is like, you know, I want, he, started, he fil- started filming a documentary about our backyard wrestling federation, and he started putting the tapes online. And there was a brief moment, you know, because I am I'm of an older generation, so I was living the Attitude Era. We were in high school during the, the peak of it, of Stone Cold, of Mankind, of everything else. And so it really was that generation, and I'm a huge ECW fan, that when you were watching it, you could daydream, right? When you're out there and you're watching Balls of Mahoney or you know Mick get thrown off the cage or whatever, you're like, you know what? These guys have the same body type as me. I could do this. I could. That was the brief moment I think where I let my mind wander of what it would be. And so, to have you know my dreams come true, which have always been to you know write, report and write and review vi- about video games, right? Just talk about video games is what it's evolved into. I kind of, you know, said goodbye to this fever dream that would have ever been actually mm-hmm. being involved in professional wrestling, and so now the, you know, the this intersection with WWE and what the, the doors this is awesome have opened for me, right? Like I have feuded with JBL. We have done a back and forth thing that culminated with him uh, hitting me in the face with a cream pie on uh, the Royal Rumble pre-show, right? Yeah. Like. That really happened, where J- you know JBL was that involved with what was going on that we feuded for weeks leading up to that, and then it happened, and then to be here now and have argued with Paul Heyman, to be you know in the middle of this Jeff Jarrett stuff, like my mind still wanders of, man, what could actually happen? I don't, you know, you'll never see me out there hoisting a championship belt, but the hope is yes. You one day see me enter the ring as someone's manager or just to cut a promo, and it all goes terribly wrong, and I am thrown through a table, or knocked down, or choke slammed, or whatever
2: you want to do. Well, I wish you the best of, of luck with that. But we're, uh, we're going gonna... I really get
1: to. Li- I'm really living
2: just about every wrestling fan's dream, right? It, Where... it seems pretty cool what you're what you're doing at the moment. I can say from experience, it does hurt landing in that ring. It is. Oh yeah. It is. It is very painful hitting a bump. Um, but that brings us I, on. To our, our first match, that you'll be taken to a deserted island. Yeah. It's, of uh, your top three matches, I want to know your first one.
1: Well, it, it's fascinating. This is such a tough one. And mm-hmm. I do feel like it could change on a dime. When you, when you were like, hey, yeah, we're going to invite the show, this is the pitch. I was like, oh, man, okay. And I, I had that moment of like, do I want to overthink? Do I want to, you know, go and like list and do, and I was like, you know what? No, I want to clear the mechanism and I want to take it as you asked it. And so what really comes back to me is somebody who doesn't, like, you know, if you, if people are here and they know me from kind of funny and they know me from reviewing games, I so seldomly replay a video game. Like I don't, uh, granted it's because, you know, there's always another thing to play. There's always Mm -hmm. the next review. There's always, you're always moving forward, but there's also that for me so much is not knowing what's around that corner that I really mm-hmm. don't do that. And in, in, even for the amount of TV and movies I watch, I really don't rewatch stuff that, uh, that way either. Yeah. And that's a more modern version of me where I think back to being that kid for backyard wrestling, being the attitude era kid, just being a teen, right. And the amount of movies I would watch, you know, the Kevin Smith movies I would watch over and over and over again, you know, watching hell in a cell with taker and mankind over and over and over again, having that three faces of Foley VHS that I would play over <laughs> yeah. and over again, right? Like, I think really when I cleared my mind and did this, what I let in were the things that I remember so fondly, and it is the matches and things I live, uh, watch over and over again in my head. And so really what I came down with was the first match I want to bring out there, and I already said it, I'm an ECW super fan. I would want to bring out an RVD versus Jerry Lynn match. And what I settled on, just to settle on, was Hardcore Heaven 99. Mm -hmm. Not because I feel like that's the pinnacle of it all, blah, blah, blah. But I remember watching that pay-per-view, and I remember that match, and I remember what – and I honestly feel like I'm – if you're not familiar with Jalen and RVD and what they would do in the ring, picking one of them undersells the entire feud. Because it would be that thing of staying up late at a sleepover in high school to watch ECW on UPN in Chicago at you know 2 in the morning, whenever it came on. And they would have that caliber of a match there. It wasn't like you were waiting for the pay-per-view. You were getting it. And it was, like, at a time where, and even you could look a little bit, I guess, at how it is now, right? But, you know, for WWE being the mainstream, Mm -hmm. you know, even during the Attitude Era, they were bringing up that cruiserweight division, right? This is before, you know, Rey Mysterio and and Dean Malenko and everybody jumps from WCW, right? And you start, start getting that smaller thing. So you were used to bigger men in these bigger matches, right? And so to get to an ECW match like that and have it be near fall after near fall into, you know, I, I loved ECW, obviously, for no countouts and no disqualification. So, you know, you're so easy to think of a hardcore match and tax and b- bats, and it was like, that's never what these guys were. These guys were the physicality of it, right? The, yeah. You know, you're gonna do an over-the-top rope, uh, you know, flip into a power bomb put him through the table there. They were doing Van Daminators in the crowd, like jumping off you know, R V D was always so great. And I mean he, obviously so many people know his moveset, but like the apron leg drop while Jerry is draped over the uh, uh uh the barricade, right? Like there was so much going on in there, let alone the fact that like RVD is R V D. Everybody knows Rob Van Dam, right? And it's like I always think that Jerry Lynn is one of those super underrated wrestlers where i feel like if you were watching in that time you were watching ecw you knew it but jerry lynn wasn't the best on mike he really didn't have a gimmick he was just really jerry lynn. in the ring yeah right? exactly <laughs> and like that's what rob van Dam brought out of him and made him and like you know Jay Lynn and like that the pile driver with the underhook pile driver he would do like there was just so much awesome stuff and like i remember that match ending and them shaking hands and not even in the Hey, like you know, like look around the ring, shake the hand, the heel face thing. It was just like, oh man, great match. <laughs> they they <laughs> liked wrestling each other that yeah. much. It seemed in storyline, right, that it was just like you bring out the best in me, and that's why I want to wrestle. I just
2: love that. I love those matches. And you mentioned you grew up as an ECW and actually a fan. That that was your mm-hmm. era. Did you ever manage to get to any ECW shows? Oh yeah,
1: oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and my friends made a point to do that. Like we did. Like, the random, like, non-televised thing here and there. But the biggest one we made it to was uh, Anarchy Rules, I want to say 99. It was, like, the second-to-last pay-per-view. It mm-hmm. was the one where Sinister Minister blew up his hand outside. Okay. Well, we were or he blew up inside. We were all outside waiting to get in line, and these ambulances showed up. We're like, what is going on? And then Tommy Dreamer had to come up beforehand <laughs> and be like, hey, Sinister Minister blew up his hand. We're like, what the hell? What's yeah. going on? But, yeah, th- those were, like... Those were the shows, right? Yeah. Like, that was the thing of, like, for what WWE was then, it was the giant spectacle. It was this, you know, I'm from Chicago, so it was the All-State Arena, or, you know, back in my day, the Rosemont Horizon. Like, that was WWE, and it was that energy, and it was that thing. But ECW was, like, we felt like we were, like, the cool kids. You
2: it's felt cool, like niche. You
1: was doing something. Yeah, exactly, right? Like Everybody was in it together, and there were so many... Little things that would make the moment, you know what I mean? Like for me, uh, watching ECD or being there for again, what I think Santa Cruz. Oh, my light turned off for something, <laughs> uh, watching it right, like it was holy crap! Like you're part of something big here, you're part or something small that you know, hopefully will be big. I don't know. Turn on the overhead light, don't know what happened there. Now no you get the creepy down. Oh, the great light, uh, yeah, exactly. Look at this awesome <laughs> yellow light we have. It kind of funny as well, um. Yeah, but, like, I was part of Sandman's entrance. Like, I I was way underage, so he did not pour beer in my face. But he did, like, come down through the way. Of course, we all mobbed him. And I have this memory of Sandman's forearm pressed into my chest as he did, like, one of these pushing past people. And I came back to the seats. And I was like, I touched Sandman. You know what I mean? It was, like, <laughs> this moment to be there and stuff. Like, And it was the same thing of, like, why I feel so indebted to Paul Heyman and why I'm so connected, I think to Mm -hmm. Paul Heyman to this day as a fan, not as a a person to person. Right. It was that feeling of like, you really felt like you knew those people. You really felt like you were part of it. You know what I mean? Like it was honestly so much of what kind of funny does. And if you don't know, you know, we're this, you know, YouTube podcast troop talking about video games and pop culture and yada, yada, yada. But like, we are also a huge crowdfunding success story. You know, we, we left the cushy jobs at IGN where we could have stayed forever. Arguably WWE, right? In an analogy, started our own thing from a spare bedroom. Arguably ECW, yep. and now our fans keep us going and keep this dream alive. And like I say, we've been more successful at ECW with our amazing studio. And it's staff been around a bit longer. Yeah, exactly. What <laughs> we've been able to keep going, like in our industry, right? But it's that idea that, like, in the same way. I would watch those matches and be like, "Oh man, Tommy Dreamer's doing great here." It was also like I wanted to see Tommy Dreamer do great because I knew outside of the ring how much ECW meant to him and what he was doing with it, and so on and so forth. Tommy Dreamer is one of the is the only wrestler I think I've ever been too stunned to speak to. When I w- when I first started at IGN, they had me cover uh, the wrestling games, which I loved. And so I went to you know WrestleMania every year, and they would do this Superstar Challenge thing where they would have people play. And I forget if it was '07 or '08, but Dreamer was there. And like I was interviewing wrestlers, doing all this stuff, and it was awesome, and it was fun, and it was cool to be in the ring with them or the room with them, and be like, oh, I knew that person. But it was I passed Dreamer on the way to get a drink, and I was mm-hmm. like, I wanted so bad to say how much he, what ECW meant to me, and all sudden, And it was that thing where all that bubbled up, and I just couldn't even express it, so I just kept walking. Like, wow, that's weird. I've talked to, like, the champions tonight, but I can't talk to Tommy Dreamer.
0: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door.
2: At IGN, you had the opportunity to interview Chris Jericho, Hulk Hogan, Sting. Uh, considering you were there at the Rosemont Arena for Chris Jericho's debut, which coincidentally was 24 years ago this week. I know.
1: Incredible. But I saw
2: that pop up on the
1: Twitter. I was like, oh my God.
2: It's crazy, right? I was about to ask who's the best wrestling interview that you ever got a chance to do, but I guess I guess wow. Tommy Dreamer would, or never got the chance to do, Tommy Dreamer would be up there, right?
1: Yeah, Tommy would be up there for sure, especially for that moment, you know, in terms of just, like, I think living that dream of me being in this presence, you know what I mean? Mm Because now now it sounds trite, right, because I work for the company and I'm backstage all the time. But to be reviewing the games and, you know, the games are such a big part of my story as a video game fan and then to be there, like, seeing Dreamer, yeah, the one that got away would be that moment with Dreamer. And even just to express it to him Mm because you list everything else, right, like... I've lived the dream as well. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'll never forget. You know, I say that about Dreamer, and I say – then I often I'll say, you know, people tell me, are are you nervous before an interview? Are you nervous before you talk to somebody, whether it's wrestlers or movie stars or Mm -hmm. whoever I'm talking to? And I always say, I'm not. I remember the last time I was because even then it had been a while before I was nervous or something. And it was Jericho because, again, Attitude Era, WCW, all that stuff, right? August 9th, 1999, we are at the Rosemont Horizon, the final show I saw there while it was the Rosemont Horizon before it became the All-State Arena. And we are up upper deck nosebleed seats. And this is in the day where they used to film Sunday Night Heat before they Mm -hmm. would film uh, the show you were at or whatever, Monday Night Raw, right? So like we had already gotten a lot of wrestling, and it was Jesse the Body Ventura had come down from Minnesota, and he was special refereeing or promoting that he was going to be in. You know, China was fighting in the main event to get her. There was like all this stuff happening in this jam-packed show to the point that we had actually forgotten that Jericho was going to debut that night. Like, yeah. you know, we were we were on Raja WWF.
2: You were clued in fans. The yeah,
1: we were we were marks, man. We were in yeah. there and like so. Like, you, the Millennium Clock popped up, and it was like, oh, yeah, blah, blah, and I'll never forget it, because I had a point-and-shoot camera, uh, and so, like, I wound it, and I went, ring, 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 and I sat, and, I, and I'm an upper deck. These f- photos are going to be garbage, and they, they were, but I sat there with it, like, ready to take a photo, and that pyro pop that everybody knows, right, from when it, the, it, mm-hmm. it was so loud and so hot in the upper decks. We felt it, and it was so startling that I, I freaked out and clicked the photo. So I have this photo of Jericho's pyro at the height because it's yeah. just like me freaking out. And when that comes out and goes Jericho like you hear it on camera, but to be in the arena for that, we all lost our minds. And it was that that moment is when that moment is when Chris Jericho becomes my favorite wrestler. It
2: wasn't I mean, like, you can, an incredible moment. Absolutely it, it was, incredible.
1: It, it was outrageous right in the promo that follows, but then it like I remember the next time they came to Chicago, I had my 8x10 Glossy of Jericho, and I brought it to the arena, and this is another really weird story to throw in there, but it's like such a joke around me and my friends of that is also the night where Taz was, we think, going to win the hardcore championship, and I was on my way to the bathroom, and they stopped Mm -hmm. me up there, and they wouldn't let me go for it. I'm like, why? like, oh, there's about to be a hardcore match. If you slow it down and frame by frame with my, fr- who my, f- my friend who's doing the documentary did this, yeah. you can see me with a Manila envelope in there. And the Manila envelope has the Jericho photo because we were going to go wait in the hotel lobbies and try to get signatures. Yeah. Afterwards. Ridiculous. Anyways, to the point I was originally driving at with this story, though, it was that idea of I'll never forget being in the IGN office. We were in some meeting and I looked at my Twitter notifications and it popped that Jericho followed me. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no, because I had just tweeted something at him about Up at Noon, of the talk show I did. Yeah. And sure enough, he DM'd me. He's like, what's up with this? And we talked. And he's like, all right, I'm in. And I remember the last time I was nervous getting ready to do an interview, it was me walking to get Chris Jericho in the lobby. And I remember coming up in there, like the way IGN was, like you went down this hallway and there was a signature wall we had. And then you turned left and that's where the people would be in the lobby. And I remember getting to the signature wall and feeling my heart in my chest and be like, oh wow I'm nervous I haven't been nervous in years interviewing somebody and I rounded that corner and met Chris and he was amazing and it, it, it all faded away yeah. it was that crazy thing of like oh wow Like that's how much this means to me subconsciously I wasn't even aware that this was about to be that big of a deal to me <laughs> you know the,
2: like my, yeah.
1: my lizard brain here I am <laughs>
2: Well, that brings us on to, I'll, I'm very conscious of the time. I don't want to take too much up off your time. Um, but what are your final two matches that you would take to a deserted island?
1: And I can go fast with this one, too. My final two, right? This is, I, 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 I don't, I'm not even trying to be obscure weirdo, and I'm sure a lot of people hate my picks or whatever. The ones I toss in that I replay in my head all the time, that I think about probably more than anybody in the world. And this is one that I legitimately can't pick because mm-hmm. I felt like every time I ever saw them fight was amazing. Masato Tanaka versus Mike Awesome. Okay. ECW, these guys would brawl. And it was that thing, too, of, like, Masato Tanaka I had never heard of until he did that run in ECW. And he would come in with these elbows, and he would just slam them into Mike Awesome's head. And Mike Awesome would Awesome Bomb him over and over and over. Awesome Bomb him in the ring. Awesome Bomb him from the top rope. Awesome Bomb him out of the ring through the table. They'd, and, like, remember, too, like, you know, Mike Awesome... There's a whole bunch of stuff tied up, and I'm not talking – I I have not read his Wikipedia. I'm not yeah. talking about anything that's on that. <laughs> I'm talking about so much tied up in, like, leaving ECW with the championship, WCW, Taz coming back. Like, that's how people remember him. And then, of course, like, you know, WCW super did not use him well. They made him yeah. into this weird disc. It was terrible, right? He was a force of nature in ECW. And the way he would jump and the moves he would do and, like, things he's doing off the top rope, you know, the splashes he's doing out of the ring, like – Mike Awesome in ECW in that run was insane. And so the fact that the guy who would step up to him and take him to the limit every time was Masato Tanaka, right? Like, those matches were just brutal. And again, mm-hmm. like, these are the matches that replay in my head where I have, like, the moment... Like, I still... Just, I'll be, like, doing dishes, and I'm doing elbows for some reason <laughs> like Tanaka would, right? It's, like, insane. And then the final one... Uh, if, uh, I to- I'm, yeah. gonna- I'm sorry, you want it? Yeah, your final, final What's your one- final pick. The final one I toss in is, I, I think... I have to put a WWE one in there, right? And Because I could put a million WWE ones in there. So many great the ones. One, the one I'm drawn to is the one that I think would piss off a lot of, you know, hardcore wrestling fans. But I always talk about it as, like, I feel it is the snapshot of, like, what wrestling is and how special it is and how weird it is but how great it is. And I say uh, the Rock Hogan from WrestleMania 18. like. Mm-hmm. That was one of those moments where I was still watching that, that period in college. I'm in college. And I remember the amount of friends who were like, Rock is fighting Hogan? And like we had people come over and we all went and watched it at the Antler House where I wasn't even living yet. And I remember watching it and just a moment to moment of that match. And seeing, like, it was, like, such a clinic in what professional wrestling, or maybe even what sports entertainment is, mm-hmm. in terms of watching these guys of like, well, there's no way this should be a good match. Hogan knows three moves. Rock doesn't do that many varied things either. But the energy in the audience, you know, the back and forth, the, you know, Hollywood Hogan becoming Hulk Hogan again, right? And the finger in the face. And it was just, like... I mean, we were popping out of our minds in Columbia, Missouri, watching this pay-per-view. And it's like one of those things that sticks with me to this day of like, wow, that was so special just to see.
2: It's one of the most iconic WrestleMania main events iconic. of all time. Or,
0: you yeah, know, it's, yeah. it's,
2: it truly lives up to the this is awesome branding off your show you know um some really great picks it's some of the some of the picks there you've got there would would delight a lot of the people in the office here uh okay you know the ecw we're big fans of ecw a lot of us here are that generation Um, dude
1: that was my thing like you know when when this is awesome started we it was during you know covid so we were shooting at my house or whatever and they're like all right cool like here's the, you know, here's, we'd love you to have some championship belts to hang in the background. Like, what do you want? And yep. I think they were ready for like the, you know, undisputed title of this. And I'm like, I want the ECW belt. Number one, period. With a bullet. <laughs> I got to have it. I need a hardcore championship. And then I'm like, toss in whatever one you want me to have. Yeah, and yeah. they were like, okay, <laughs> like here you go. And like, yeah, the ECW one that we have here in the studio now is the one that means the most to me. Right. Mm-hmm. Because like, that's like, oh my God, like that was the thing I'd watch for Taz. You know what I mean? What are we talking about right now?
2: Well, thank you so much for all your picks. We're going to jump into some quick, rapid-fire questions sure. just to wrap this up. Um, you name a lot of your video game characters in RPGs. Taylor Swift. I have don't. you been at the Eras tour? And what's your favorite? No. Th- favorite era. So I have not been to the Eras tour. So I, uh, I love Taylor
1: Swift. I As do I. Big fan. So- Hell yeah. I'd shake your hand if we could. (laughs) I've loved Taylor since her self-titled debut. You know, I was in Missouri when that Mm -hmm. happened. I was listening to a lot of country music. So she came on strong there. Uh, My favorite era is 1989. I went to see her at Levi Stadium for the 89 tour. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had a great time at the show, but I have come to the realization that, you know, I always talk about the hierarchy of things I enjoy, and I always shock people when I put music so low. I love music in my way and the way I enjoy it in my way is not going to concerts. You know what I mean? I've tried. There's been a few times in more recent years where acts have come through that I've adored forever. And I go see and I'm like, wow, I am not having fun. (laughs) I'm not enjoying this (laughs) standing in this room doing this thing. And again, watching, I've watched pretty much the entire concert of Airs through TikTok. Right. And it's that thing where I look at that and like, it's not that I look at it and go, oh, like, I'm not a real fan or something. I just don't enjoy it the way that people there are enjoying it. I wouldn't want to dress up. I wouldn't – I you know, again, we're in San Francisco, right? I don't want to drive 45 minutes an hour down to Levi's Stadium in Santa Clara, California, to get yep. stuck in the parking lot, to do the thing, to get there, to have seats that I don't want to pay a lot for. So, wait, i like – I enjoy listening, like, but I'm also the same thing of like you know I I, I popped huge when '89 is going to be the Taylor Taylor's version, version, right? My favorite album, but then it was like I get the emails from Taylor that are like you know oh hey you know you can pre-order here. I'm like it's going to be on Spotify, like it's on I Spotify. I, right? I don't need to own this. <laughs> I don't need to own this. That's, I don't need things. So I'm a weirdo in terms of how I enjoy music, but
2: well, I yeah, respect you. Man. I respect your taste of albums. I'm more an Evermore type of guy, but. Uh, dude 1989 folklore, evermore folklore to the best
1: it. i killed them yeah but it's uh, like the weirdest thing of if you ever see me on a plane yep and i have my earbuds in and i'm probably going to sleep i'm not playing something i'm listening to 1989
2: like it is that level of comfort album to me yep that i can just put it on and just woo, puts me out just vibe Um, going back to wrestling a second what is your unpopular wrestling opinion my unpopular wrestling opinion oh my god Oh, my God. You know, I've never been a big
1: John Cena guy and not even in the, like, I hate John Cena, like, boo, Cena sucks, yay Cena kind of thing. Like, it's just one of those things where, like, the Ruthless Aggression era never clicked for me. So, Mm -hmm. like, I respect John Cena. I mean, I love Peacemaker. I think he's a great actor. I think he's hilarious. I think he's great in the ring. I just, like, I don't watch a Cena match usually and go, yeah, like, I'm all in on this. Like... There's, I love him as a person. Like what I know about him, I don't know him. Mm -hmm. I love him as a person. I love him as an actor. But in terms of like, it's a Cena match. Like when it was Austin Theory at Mania, I was like, all right, it was a bit disappointing. (laughs) Yeah, and and not yeah, exactly. Not even that match, but like even the hype for it it is just like, all right, that's not really my thing. But I, I hope you enjoy it.
2: Uh, Who should beat Roman Reigns?
1: Man, I mean, you know. You all know who should who should beat. It should, we should go back in time, and Sammy should beat him in Montreal. Like, good I, shot. the bloodline is the best story in wrestling today, again, possibly ever. I totally get that. I totally respect that. I, I am loving where we're at still. I have loved the different changes and branches and yada, yada, yada. But it's that thing of, like, I listen to, like, Sam Roberts a lot, and he's always like, oh, yeah, they can't get lightning in a bottle again, people say, but they can, because they did this and they did that. And Mania with Cody was awesome. I'm not taking away from that. But, like the fact that sammy came up the way he came up and the fact that we went to montreal to do it and the fact that you were in the bell center and like i always talk about this you know i was watching it on my phone because we were trying to put the baby to sleep and so it's i'm watching peacock we're in the same room as the baby the baby's finally down and so i'm like watching this thing and i can't express to my wife like what this is i'm like this match is insane it's so special it was on the shortlist for uh, uh, island stuff but it's recency biased i worry about where i'm like I know that he won't win. I know that they won't do this, but they could. And that's, it's like so believable that in like, I I feel that would have been just the point to be like, yo, we got to throw the plan out the window and we'll figure it out when we get there. And I get that that would screw up so many different things and yada, yada, yada. And I'm excited for Cody to do it at Mania 40. I'm sure that's where we're going. Yep. But. God, I wish Sammy would have done it in the Bell Center.
2: And uh, finally, if you could go back in time and speak to little Greggy sitting in the Rosemont Arena watching Chris Jericho's debut or sitting in Portillo's having a hot dog, uh, what advice would you give him?
1: Great question. Don't overthink it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I think that's the biggest thing. Is like you, You get so caught up in your head about every decision or concern or this or how you need to act to some degree or whatever, but live out loud, right? Like, just do whatever you love just unabashedly love it because it's all going to work out in the end and it's going to lead you here
2: there you go thank you greg so much for joining us on desert island graps um where can people find you online easiest place
1: to find me is kind of funny.com we got podcasts we got youtube videos we talk about games movies wrestling we just shoot the crap with each other we have too much fun and apparently jeff jarrett's gonna ruin my life